welcome to this week's edition of the Ultimate Deck Podcast. I'm Shane Chapman, your host, and we're here live from the new studio at the Ultimate Deck Shop. We've got this thing outfitted with new equipment, and we've been promising for a while that because of this new equipment, we were going to get to doing the old interview style ones with some of your favorite Instagram contractors. And we've picked a special one today to bring on for this first episode from the studio. You're probably already following him because he's got 21 point some thousand followers and he's big on the social media scene nowadays. It's Sean Collins Guru. How are you, Sean? What's going on, Shane? I'm doing pretty well. Good, man. Are you in a studio as well? Did you build up a studio just for this interview? I did, yeah. I outfitted it just last week. Um, spent spent some pretty good money on it, but I think it's worth it for this interview. I've, I've been really looking forward to it. Yeah, we were talking about actually getting you up here, I think, at one point. We were going to put you up at a Holiday Inn or a Super 8 or something, get you into the studio. Yeah, I was planning on staying up there for, for a week or so, you know, and, uh, you know, just making sure we get this interview just right. And uh, I feel like this is my big break right now. This could put you on a platform, that's for sure. I know. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm preparing myself for it, but uh, I think I'm ready. Yeah. So the reason that logistically was a little bit difficult is because this podcast is live from Regina, Saskatchewan, up in beautiful Canada, and you <laughs> are not from here. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and who Sean is behind the scenes, the family life side of things. I am uh, from Jersey, New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia, though. So uh, I'm a huge Eagles fan and yeah, grew up in South Jersey. We run our business down here and just live with my wife, Sarah, our dog Ziggy. And that's pretty much it. Besides work. I mean, there's really not too much time for anything else at this point. I hear you, man. Did you say your dog's name is Ziggy? Like with a Z? Yep. Ziggy. Yeah. That's great. My, my sister-in-law's dog's name is also Ziggy. So look at that. We've got a rapport built already. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a good name. Good deal. So why the hell are all you deck builders from New Jersey? I don't know. I've noticed that. Um, (laughs) most of them on Instagram are from North Jersey. There's like a million deck builders in North Jersey. I think every house in North Jersey must have a deck because there's a ton of them. They're all doing awesome work, and it seems like they're all super busy. So I don't know, but I, I, I've actually noticed that as well. Yeah, it's like there's a ton of guys from up there. All the guys we seem to meet at these shows all the time, it's like half of them are from the, Jer- from the Jersey <laughs> area, so something's going on up there. Uh, now you- I know. I think it's, I think it's just because it's so heavily populated. There's like a million people in like such a small state. Sure. It's really terrible. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's why, but it, it is crazy how many deck builders are here. 100%. So you own Premier Outdoor Living, and uh, I believe you're the sole owner of that company. You guys do some fantastic work in people's backyards, not just decks, but the hardscape area and stuff as well. How long has that been your life? That has been the last four years. We just hit four years in business in January. And uh, before that, I was doing some landscaping stuff, just like lawn maintenance, mulching, that kind of stuff. And kind of fell into, we, we got the chance to work on a really cool deck and patio project kind of randomly. I talked my way into it and said, Oh yeah, of course I know how to do that stuff. And I really had no idea, but, um, it kind of sparked something in me. I love doing it. The project turned out awesome. And it just made me realize that there, there really is a market for this. And, you know, if you can come up with really cool ideas and market yourself in a certain way that you can find the clients that are willing to pay, good money to, to really get something unique. 
So you were doing when, like four years ago, when Premier Outdoor Living started, you were doing just landscaping or was, was that before the four years? Yeah. So four years ago, um, I was pretty much just doing landscaping, like mowing lawns, doing mulching, stuff like that. And, uh, that was, it was like the fall before that, that, uh, under my old business, we built our first deck and patio and I just really liked it. So as soon as, soon as we were done that job, it was a pretty big job. We were there for like eight weeks. And, um, as soon as that was done, I sold all my lawn equipment and just, jumped right into the design build side with really no prospects of work and uh, a new mortgage. But um, yeah, I, re- I really didn't think it through too much, but it, it's been working out so far. So, you know, it's funny that every time you hear somebody give advice on starting a business, they always say, Oh, you got to get a business plan. You have to have all your ducks in a row and you have to have everything figured out before you start. And just what anybody you talk to that actually has a successful business, it didn't start yeah. that way. You know, you know no. what I mean? It, like it's, it's a lot of winging. If you do that, <laughs> if you do that, you, you'll just talk yourself out of doing it. I mean, if I knew how hard it was going to be and all that stuff, like before I started, I probably wouldn't have started it, but you really just need to jump into it. And, you know, I, I knew I really had a passion for it after that first project. And I just knew I'd, I'd figure out a way to make it work. And, um, that's really the most important thing. You got to jump into it and, you know, get rid of all your other options. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it, the passion is more important than the planning per se. Not to say that planning is not important. Of course it is. But, um, if you're, if you're destined to make it work and you're passionate about what you do, like you'll find a way there'll be obstacles along the way, but you'll figure yeah. it out every time. Right. So I mentioned, mentioned yep. before you guys are doing both, um, kind of the landscape side of things, the hardscapes and the decks and whatnot. And pretty much every one of your projects includes both. There's not a yep. lot of guys doing that. Like it's certainly not in my market, uh, not in a lot of markets. And most of the builders you follow on Instagram are deck only builders. They don't do the landscaping. And if they yep. do, they subcontract it. How much of an advantage is, advantage is that for you? And how often are your customers looking for somebody to do both versus you kind of saying like, no, no, we're going to, we'll handle your whole backyard. I got some other ideas for the other spots too, even though you're only looking for a deck. Like how much of that is is coming to you um, because they're wanting somebody to do both and how much of it's kind of you win that, win them over with that because you do both. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, It definitely, and that was another thing that I kind of just fell into. And and after we started, I kind of realized that, and it's the same way in my area, there's really not a lot of people that do both the construction uh, side with the decks and the hardscaping with patios. So I just started doing both and, um, you know, it, it, I just thought that it made for a better outdoor living space. The more textures and materials that you can bring into a design, the, the more depth it has. And it's just, I just, I just thought that that was a better outdoor living space. So, um, that's why I started doing it because I really like the design first and foremost. So I started doing that. And then afterwards I kind of realized there's really not anybody in my area that's doing both of these. So in the beginning, it was kind of, you know, I would get a call for um, a deck and they would want, you know, something pretty large, like a six, 700 square foot deck. And I would say, I think a better way to spend that money would be, you know, build a smaller deck and center that around one living space, like create an outdoor dining room on the deck and then step down onto a patio that could be like kind of a lounge area or a fire pit area 
and then incorporate landscaping. And um, the landscaping really arose because uh, I was trying to build my whole business through social media. And the biggest thing was like getting good pictures of the projects. And anybody that's listened to this knows that, you know, you always intend to go back to projects and get pictures when the people plant stuff and you never do. Never. So I just started including that on all my projects so that the finished pictures would look complete and, um, and we would have good content to share. So that's where that started. And, and that kind of took off. And now in my area, we're kind of, we've carved out like a nice little niche where people kind of call us and they just want us to do our thing. And, and, um, you know, most of our clients just kind of let us run with it, which is, which is super cool. Yeah. I was going to say that's one of the major side benefits of the fact that you're taking care of the whole project around there is that your pictures always end up looking amazing because the space is completely finished. I know when I was building one of the most frustrating things to your point was you go, you build this beautiful deck, but the, um, none of the landscaping is done or the patio is not in yet or the grading is not done or the furniture is not on, like nothing is ready. And so it ends up not looking super great. It's like the deck's nice, but everything else is just a construction zone. So the thing about your pictures on social media is they're very attractive pictures to look at. So they do quite well. Yeah. And that's, that's really where it all started was just, um, you know, I wanted, I wanted like the pictures were what was going to, sell our next job. So I wanted the pictures to look good. And in the beginning I was doing most of this extra stuff just for free because, you know, I first of all, didn't have any other jobs to do because nobody had ever heard of us. And, um, I knew that I wanted to kind of build the brand through social media and kind of tell the story of who we are. And that's kind of how that arose was just, all right, we're just going to make this look really cool so that we can sell some more jobs because we don't have any work. And, um, and in the beginning I was barely making any money, but, uh, I kind of had a plan and, and thought that that would work. Sure. So a lot of your designs right now are very clean, linear lines, um, squared off shapes on the other kind of the end of the, of the decking world are these, this trend of curved decks and curving. Is that something you're looking to get into or do you just prefer to stick with the kind of more clean modern lines? Um, I'm a little bit torn on that because, um, especially now that I'm doing the vlog, it's like, you know, you can only talk about so much stuff when, you know, you're doing a deck and a patio on every project. So I feel like the need to like try new things is going to be more and more. Um, just in general though, I kind of like square straight lines. I think it's more functional. You know, most furniture is designed for square spaces. So I think it just creates more functional space the only time we really incorporate circles, we do a lot of circles on our patios and stuff. Mm-hmm. I find that that's really useful for like a fire pit area. Um, but besides that, most, most furniture is just not made for round spaces. So, um, that, that's kind of where the functionality of it comes in. But I think, um, I think pretty soon I'll be, I'll be buying a heat bending kit and, and testing that out for sure. Right. Well, when you go to buy one, you know who sells them, right? Do you sell them? <laughs> we do sell them, actually. Do you? We do. We sell, right, the, we well, sell the heat right. corn kits. So, I, well, I cannot wait to hit you up for that and get that podcast guest discount and, uh, right. and get rolling with it. That's going to be that's awesome. Right. So <laughs> it's, it's somewhat refreshing to hear you 
have that approach towards the curve decking though. Cause I think you're right. I believe that like, let's say 70% of the projects you see on Instagram and whatnot that are curved probably shouldn't be. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> cause to your point, it's not the most functional shape. It doesn't work with a lot of furniture and, and whatnot. And I agree with you that like a fire pit is a very obvious spot where a you know, sit in the round kind of thing works. Um, but it's, yep. it's so on trend now and everybody's kind of getting onto it now that everybody's looking to put a circle or a curve where it maybe doesn't belong, but they're just excited to use it yeah. and sell it and show that they can do it, that it just finds its way where it doesn't belong sometimes. So I, I don't think I've ever yeah. once looked at one of your jobs and thought like, man, that would have been better if that deck was curved. And to your point, you put a yeah. lot of, you put a lot of soft lines into the hardscape portion of it too. So it all ties it together. So it's, it's quite nice. Yeah. You have yeah. A- and it's nice because square you know, or rectangular decks are a lot faster to build. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of works out better that way, but for sure. I think eventually I'll, I'll have to at least, at least try it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the advantage it used to be because there's more and more guys getting into it, but it's sure nice to be able to do anything that the customer asks, I guess, right. To kind of remove any barriers that yeah. you might have in design. So, um, you've used yep. composite or composite as you fellow Americans call it and, and PVC products. Do you have a preference between the two? Is there a brand that sticks out to you that you like using, or are you kind of a jack of all trades as far as the brands and types go? Um, I used composite pretty much exclusively up until this year. That was the first time I tried PVC. Um, I had been using exclusively Trex last year and I think they have a really nice product, but I thought that their colors were, they just needed a little bit more in their color spectrum. So that's kind of why I decided to branch out a little bit and try some new stuff. So I've tried some PVC this year. I really like, um, you know, there's, there's some other things that you just need to be aware of with the contraction and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's awesome that it's super light. Um, and we've used Wolf and with that, I'm, I'm really impressed with the color of the, of the boards they have a really nice color palette. Um, I think them and TimberTech really have like the two best color options. I haven't used the TimberTech Azac yet, but that will probably be, uh, one of our jobs coming up. We'll, we'll get to try that out. Yeah. It it seems like there's guys who have, they kind of pick a camp, a lot of guys, right. And maybe it's due to some loyalty programs and whatnot, but I always like to hear people's opinions that have used both. They're not just so brand loyal that they're kind of blind to everything else. So I like to hear those options for sure. Wolf has a beautiful color palette. If there's one thing that they're known for, that's it for sure. Yeah. Now, and there's, um, just so many, so many options. I think them and the Timbertech Azac, they have just, just so many different options and different browns and different grades that you can really get creative and, um, and mix, mix a ton of colors, which is really cool. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Almost Wolf's entire lineup. And when I'm, when I, anytime I refer to Wolf, I'm referring to their PVC, the Serenity line. I don't know much about their composite line, but it almost seems mm-hmm. like all of their colors can play with each other. Like there's a couple that maybe you wouldn't pair, yeah. but most of them you can kind of pick and choose and make them work together. And they, for whatever reason they can, they, they do. Um, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. just recently, like Azac had gone to a 50 year warranty, but Wolf just did that about five days ago too. We got an email that said, Hey, the best just got better. Wolf's bumping their warranty from 25 yeah. to 50 years. So that's like phenomenal product. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just saw that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I figure 30 years, 50 years, you know, what's the difference? I don't think, uh, hundred <laughs> percent, you know, at that point it's like, if it's going to fail, it's probably going to fail in the first like 
five or 10. So that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. And then the lumber underneath is only going to last 18 years at best anyway. So really, yeah, whatever. Yep. Right. But, but it's a good marketing gimmick, I guess, to throw a big number on that. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned that you have the competitive advantage of doing both your, like being able to take care of the entire backyard. What's your market? Like we talked about this before too, with your, there's so many builders being up there. Do you face a lot of competition when you go visit your customers? Are they saying I've got, you know, I'm getting quotes from three or four of the guys and, and guys are grinding each other in price. Is it like that there? Or do you find that you're able to kind of hold your own quite well? Um, it's, I, I find a little bit of both. Most of like the deck guys that are, um, that are on Instagram and stuff are up in North Jersey. So they're like an hour, hour and a half away from me. Um, in my area, there's still, a, there's still a decent amount of deck builders, but the nice thing that I found was, uh, to combat like the square foot price shopping was we're kind of designing it. So we're, we're really picking the products that, that we're using because, if somebody picks a color combination that I just really don't like, we're going to walk away from the job. Um, because we only do about 12 to 15 a year. So we can do that. So that's, that's kind of helpful from the beginning that we're really picking a lot of stuff. Plus we're doing a deck, a patio and landscaping. Um, a lot of times lighting or we're doing a pergola as well. So all of that is priced together and they can't kind of price shop that around as much where, if you're just doing a, a 500 square foot deck, it's like, Hey, this guy's doing it for 45 bucks a square foot and you're doing it for 60. Um, can you come down? So I found that that was really helpful that, you know, people can't like get down to your square foot price because there's so many different, um, things involved with it. Interesting. So when you deliver a quote, you're kind of giving, you're giving them like a lump sum number that includes the entire project, the hardscape, the deck, everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that's, that's like, that's an advantage I didn't even think about you having before is that people can't price shop you against others based on price at all, really. Cause you never know what part of what portion of the deck is. What. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cool. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was, um, that was another advantage that I kind of just realized after I started doing it. Um, and after people were asking me to kind of break it down and say, okay, what's the deck cost? What's this cost? And, um, you know, I kind of tell people we specialize in like a full makeover. So we're not going to do a deck without landscaping. We'll do a deck without a patio, but the deck has to have, you know, some maybe like a stone planter wall or, or at least landscaping. So like it has to look finished when we're done. So, um, it makes it a little bit harder for them to just, you know, it's not apples to apples when they're shopping it to a, uh, a deck contractor. Right. Interesting. So when you're coming up with your quotes and you're doing your quotes, do you have, how do you, how much of a process is it for you? Do you, have you kind of figured out a system that allows you to speed the process up and become more efficient with your quoting? Or are you sitting down and manually figuring out every piece of a deck? Do you do it based on square foot? How do you kind of come to your number? Um, recently I've tried to do like a square foot price and kind of just, you know, get me to a ballpark and then figure out, you know, what are the complicated details on this? Try to figure out how long it's going to take me. Um, labor is really the biggest cost. So like really trying to figure out how many days is this going to take us is the biggest thing. Um, so I do a little bit of both. It really depends on the project, but, um, most of them end up taking longer than expected, you know, as most people do, but we really, try to be creative, especially with the patio stuff that we do. 
we we're doing you know unique inlays and stuff like that and i usually don't figure that out until we start the project um you know i'll kind of have an idea of what products we're going to use and stuff like that but uh, i like to keep a lot of it spontaneous and that's when the best ideas come to me so it uh i kind of just ballpark it a little bit and make sure there's a little bit of a cushion if we run over but um i kind of do a little bit of both and it depends on the project do you find ever like i'm sure you're getting the right clients because you sound like you're pretty selective but do you find because of the fluidity of your quotes that they're kind of more ballpark numbers that do you get pushback at the end when you deliver that final balance that's due do you get people come back and be like whoa that's a little bit different than i thought it was going to be and how do you deal with that so you mean like at the end of the job? Yes. So you're saying that you don't really, sometimes the inlays happen during the job, whatever. Like, is there a lot of communication yeah. about what costs, what kind of the cost overruns and whatnot at the end of the job? Or do you sometimes get customers that are surprised that you said ballpark, this is going to be 70 and now you're billing me for 87. What happened? Yeah. So whatever price we give them from the beginning, that's the final price. So okay. I kind of, I kind of do that ballparking like in the estimation phase. Like I have an idea of what we're going to try to do with, you know, um, those details that I'm going to come up with on the fly. So I kind of factor that into the price, but you know, even if something takes way longer than expected, I never pass that on to the client. Um, it's just whatever the price is in the beginning, unless they go and add some, some features that we weren't going to do. But, um, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I think people like about us is the price is set from the beginning. We're starting from scratch. We're ripping everything out. So there's no unexpected things. We're not working on an old deck frame that needs to be repaired. You know, there's really no extra cost that the, that the client incurs unless they add like a lighting package or they want to expand the patio. But, um, I kind of factor that into the pricing that we're going to do something really unique with the patio or with the deck and, um, you know, the price is set before we start the project. Now, do you, with your projects, do you take care of any potential maintenance things up front? And what I mean by that is I know there's a lot of deck builders out there that will build you a cedar wood or wood deck, but they don't want to oil it. And there's some landscaping companies out there that'll put a patio in, but they don't want to seal it. They don't want that part of the job. Do you do all those things for people or do you kind of say, here it is as is good idea to get this done though. So we, um, anytime that we do a wood deck, we'll stain it. Um, and again, that comes back to, we want it to look good when we take pictures, but we did one wood deck last year and we did one the year before. And I think going forward, we're not really going to do any more wood decks. So, that's not really going to come up too much. We don't seal the patios. Um, and most people don't around me ever seal them. But, um, if somebody wants like a wet look, they want like a gloss finish or, a um, kind of a sheen to it, we'll do it. But we typically don't, it's, we build it, um, you know, any maintenance down the line, somebody else is going to take care of that. Perfect. Now, shout out to your vlog, which you started not too long ago, and you can fill people in on how to find that because I don't know the exact address to it on YouTube, whatever, but you've started this vlog yep. and uh, you're kind of vlogging components of every project. And so you've, and you're like, there's not many guys doing that so formally. Um, lots of guys are using Instagram yep. stories or photos and whatnot and putting uh, project pictures like that, but they're not doing formal vlogs to kind of follow along. How are you finding that's helping yep. you from a, uh, finding new jobs 
avenue or what's the, what's the payback for you right now? Or is it more of just a fun project for you? Um, it's a little bit of both. I think just being in front of the camera and showing people behind the scenes makes potential clients feel more comfortable with you. They, they can kind of feel like your passion for it and they know that you really care about what the project looks like, which really helps. Um, but it's really, it's really a little bit of both. I think, um, we're doing it because we want to, we want to just produce more content. There's definitely some drawbacks to it. The jobs are taking longer because we're, we're just, you know, trying to film all the aspects of it and stuff. But, um, it's made the workday so much more fun. So I think in the future, there's going to be a lot more, um, it's going to be a marketable thing to be producing content with this kind of stuff. I think, uh, you know, companies in this industry are a little bit behind the times on it, but I think influencer marketing is going to be a real thing in this industry. And, um, you know, I kind of want to just try to put out some content because it, it kind of plays to what I think I'm good at. I'm not like a super organized business owner. So, and knew that I didn't want to scale from 15 to 50 projects a year. I kind of want to play to my strengths. And I think that's the creativity and, uh, and a little bit of personality. So I thought the video thing would be cool. And, uh, and it's really just been super fun. I mean, it's kind of like mandatory now that we have fun every day on the project because otherwise the videos are gonna be super boring. So that's been like a really cool side effect of it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear because it obviously it's beneficial. So it's nice to know that you're having fun doing it too, because when it doesn't work is when it feels like a chore. Like some people feel like, Oh, I've got, yep. I've got yeah. to do this social media thing. Cause that's what people do nowadays. And you just won't keep up with it if you're not having fun. So that's great to hear. Yeah. What other types it, of marketing are working for you right now? You're doing the vlog, you're heavy on Instagram, obviously, or is that enough? Are you getting enough referrals from that? Or do you use other types of marketing that bring clients in? that's really it. I used to do uh, Facebook ads locally and they worked really great. Um, another thing that helped me uh, a whole lot was local Facebook groups. So I would just post like maybe once a week, make sure that it's like a really good picture and it's not like salesy. It doesn't sound like a flyer that says, Hey, we build decks and you know, we're the best deck builder just post like a, a picture and, you know, say, Hey, we just finished this project and I love how this turned out. And then just posted these local groups. And I got so many jobs through that. That really worked out super well. But, um, now we're, we've kind of carved out enough of a niche in our area where we don't, we have enough leads coming in that we don't need to, uh, to really market too much because we're really not trying to grow beyond one crew we only do 12 to 15 projects a year. So we get plenty of leads for that. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's, uh, just organic Facebook and Instagram is, is really working well now. Awesome. And so not trying to scale, not trying to grow when the joints start getting sore and you start getting older and don't yeah. want the tools anymore. Are you thinking yep. at all about maybe in the future you would franchise Juanita's across the country? <laughs> That, that's definitely a real possibility. Um, I need to get them an Instagram because, um, I feel like, I feel like we could definitely expand their business and it definitely got a much better shot than franchising premier outdoor living. So I think that's a good idea. 
Do you, is it is like, I have no idea what this place is. I just like, nobody, nobody does except for you, but everybody sees you post yeah. and going there six times a week. Is it as good? Is it like, yeah. is it busy outside of Sean or is it just, you really love this place? It, it is. It's like a, it's a really small place, um, in, you know, a really small town next to me and it's, but it's, it's busy. I mean, people love it there. It's, I think I love it probably more than anybody else in the world, but, um, it's super good. It's, it's like the best Mexican food in the world. Um, not that I've really tried any from anywhere else, but (laughs) it's awesome. We have a, an employee here, uh, by the name of Justin and he travels a lot because he's, he's also a musician and he plays in a fairly big, um, Canadian country music, uh, band artist, uh, Jess Moskaluk, you may not know her in the States, but in Canada, she's one of all, like, she's kind of the, she's kind of like Shania Twain's under, you know, kind of underling. Um, and he, yeah. so he travels a ton across Canada. They just got finished a Canada wide tour with some other bands. And he, one day said, we need to go to this place in Regina. It's an Indian place. And because it's, it's called the Caraway grill for anybody locally, it's listening to this. He's like, it's the best Indian food in Canada. And, it's funny because most people, when they say that, they have no, they have no idea because they've never actually been to other restaurants before. It's just like they really like this yep. one. But in his case, he's actually tried a lot of Indian restaurants in major cities, and apparently this is near the tops. But you're gonna have to come up. We should have made this podcast live from here because there's a, there's a Mexican restaurant here too. It's actually just outside of Regina. That is amazing too, and it sounds I, very similar in that it's just this kind of little <laughs> tiny hole in the wall place, like not divey, but it's just like small and kind of non-suspect. And it's out in a small yep. town, about 40 minutes outside of Regina. Like you got to drive to it. And the town's probably only, I'm guessing like seven to 800 people big. And this little place is just <laughs> a diamond. Like it's amazing. And you have to book, like when it first opened a couple of years ago, there was three month waiting list to get a table there. It was crazy. So if anybody, again, locally is looking for another good restaurant, the Grotto in Vibank is unbelievable and cool story. Uh, our store, the ultimate deck shop was born over supper at that restaurant between Wade and I. So that restaurant has a, a soft spot for us as well. Um, there's, there's been many premier outdoor living decisions that have been made in Juanita's. I bet. Um, so I, I, I can definitely relate to that. So earlier in the conversation, we talked about how um, lots of people tell you you need to have a big plan in place before you get out on your own, start your own business. And that kind of you and I never really like we had somewhat of a plan, but we were winging a lot of it. What now that you're kind of yep. four years in and you figured out a lot of this stuff, what are some advice you'd give to somebody that's looking to follow your path to kind of go out there and do your own thing? Is there some things you think they should know that you didn't know up front, but you're like, boy, I really wish I did. Um, I think probably just the biggest thing to, to make yourself successful is unless you're like a, a really numbers oriented person and you're super organized, you can probably make it work in, in any industry, but, um, really just defining what makes your business different from everybody else. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that you're, you know, so much better than everybody else. And you just have to be different and carve out your little niche. And I think that's what we've done is our designs just have a certain look to them and they're not necessarily better than anybody else's, but they have a certain look to it. And the people that like that, they'll want us to build it because, not a lot of other people are doing that exact style. And, um, and I think that's one of the most important things is really finding something that makes you unique and then kind of building your brand around that. You recently switched from 
uh, one 3D software to another. And I think in your case, because your designs are so elaborate and they involve so many components that it's almost absolutely necessity, a necessity for you to do 3D designs with your projects. How did you find you were using a program by punch the first time I believe you said, and now you're with real-time landscaping architect. I know this is a question. Yep. Anytime somebody posts a design, there's always people asking what program to use. Can you, as somebody who's used yeah. a couple, do you have any feedback? Um, so I've only used those two. I've also used SketchUp. Uh, I started out on that in the beginning, but it's just, it's so, so tedious. The designs take forever um, because there's no, like, there's not a deck tool. I mean, you're really just building everything from scratch. But um, I started out on Punch because it was only 60 bucks, and I was just like, all right, you know, I'll download this and see how it works. And I got pretty good at using that, but... Once I switched over to real-time landscape architect, I realized all of the the drawbacks with with punch and all the things that you couldn't do, and and even real-time landscape architect is only like four hundred bucks. It's not like a a top of the line design software, but I feel like with that you can really paint a realistic portrait of what the project's going to look like, and it also helps you kind of flesh out your ideas and. You know, once you see it in 3D, you can be like, okay, the proportions on this aren't really working. And, you know, that's a lot harder to do on paper with just like an aerial 2D because, you know, the heights on something just might not work that well. And you see it in 3D, you can make changes and and you can really kind of perfect it before you even start. When are you delivering those uh, designs? Is that, are you doing that only for the jobs you've booked and you're then kind of going through that design process or is that part of your proposal? That's, that's part of the, that's kind of how the process starts with the client. So, um, now I'm charging 500 for a 3d design, but when I go and meet them initially, uh, well, I try to kind of qualify them over the phone. I have some stuff on my website to try to pre-qualify them. But, um, once I go to meet them, I, you know, we kind of go over some ideas, get their feedback, what they're kind of looking for, and then kind of hit them with, okay, you're kind of looking at this budget range. And we try to like zero in on a number that they're comfortable with before we even start. So, um, I found that if you can get them kind of committed to a budget, say like, okay, they're willing to spend 40,000, we'll kind of start there and, and we'll design something for 40,000 and they're willing to give you that number plus give you the $500 for a design. That's usually a super qualified lead. And they've usually usually been following me on on Facebook or Instagram for a while so they kind of know what we do and it makes that closing process a lot easier yeah that's one of the big benefits of being very visible on these platforms is that people get to know you before they need to know you you know what I mean like you walk into yeah. their house the first time and you're not starting at zero to sell the job they've already got a bit of a understanding of who you are they already know they like you because they would have screened you out before if they didn't like what they saw yep. on Facebook or something. Right. And so it just eliminates, like you've kind of got a, a bit of a head start on building that trust with people versus somebody who's not that they haven't been following along on. So very important. Yeah. Part of the process. Yeah. And I think, uh, that's kind of one of the big things that, that I try to do is through the social media, it not only helps kind of capture leads and, and capture potential clients, but, they know that I'm using their job to market to everybody else, all my future potential clients. So there's kind of like a, um, you know, uh, I'm, I want this project to turn out really cool too. It's not just, 
hey, we're gonna we're gonna sell you on this uh, really cool idea, and then we're gonna build it, whatever. You know, they know that I really care about it. And I want it to turn out, you know, just as good as they want it to turn out. So right. that kind of um, that's really worked out really well for us and helped us help us close a lot of jobs because people feel like they can trust us if they're willing to spend, you know, 50,000 on their backyard. They know that, okay, I've seen the last 10 projects they did. They all turned out really cool. You know, I have no doubt that this one's going to turn out cool too. Do you ever get people push back and say, I don't want my backyard being posted all over social media? No, (laughs) no, I get, I've gotten asked that a lot and, uh, I never really thought about it, but I guess, I'm pretty much getting all my leads through social media. So, and it's really like the thing that people are like most excited about, especially since I started the blog. Um, probably most of my new subscribers are just like clients, friends, because they're like, Oh my God, I showed everybody at work. I, I sent my whole family. And, and, uh, and that's really the great thing about content is that's like the new word of mouth. And people aren't really saying, Hey, here's this guy's phone number. Call him. They're saying, check this guy out on Facebook or Instagram. And, um, the, you know, if you create content for their job, they want to share that to all their friends. So it really, it really works out well in that way. Yeah. I think that notion that people are worried about their space being put out in public, I think that comes more from the interior remodeling. I can understand somebody not wanting their, you know, the inside of their house to be kind of documented and put out there just for security reasons, I suppose. I know when I was building too, a lot of my customers that I was working for at the moment loved that I was posting progress stuff throughout the build because they could sit at work and see what was going on at home. And so they, yeah. I'd, I'd often get comments and be like, this is so cool. I can share this with my, my mom and my whatever. <laughs> so they can all follow along and see how our deck's coming. And so it was kind of a cool, it yep. was almost like added value for them. And, you know, we were doing it for ourselves for the most part to grow our own business, but the customers were appreciating it happening at the same time. Um, yeah. I've, uh, the only pushback I've gotten is like, if I, if we don't, film a vlog that day or something. They're like, where was the video last night? Yeah, that's right. Um, that's, that's really it. People like look forward to that. Like just as much as, as us actually building it. It's, uh, it's been kind of crazy. That's awesome. So as part of that whole Instagram and social media thing, uh, the first time I met you, I think maybe the only time I met you was at deck expo last year in where were we? Yeah. Baltimore, I think, or did I meet Baltimore, you in Nashville? Yeah. Was that your first one last year? Last year was my first one. Yeah. Okay. So that was the first one. And like, we no doubt ran into each other because of the previous history on Instagram. Um, cause we were familiar yeah. with each other. How, what do you get from that? Like how describe the, the community that you have on Instagram here, because it's something that before this Instagram kind of movement happened before it came, became like the number one social platform, there was no community of contractors yep. and builders that you could go shoot, you know, talk shop with or talk ideas with or get feedback from. What does that do for you to be part of that community? It's, it's so cool. I mean, going to that deck expo was like the coolest thing. Uh, and that was on my 30th birthday and like, I wouldn't have spent my 30th birthday doing anything else. It was, it was just so cool to meet everybody in person that I've, I've met through Instagram and stuff. And I left there just feeling so inspired to like build cool stuff. And, um, it's just awesome, you know, meeting other people that, you know, they're not, I mean, they're, they're in it for the money, but you know, you could tell they really have like such a passion for it. And it, it just, it just motivates me so much to, to kind of see other people's work and, 
and be inspired by it and pick up little ideas here and there through Instagram and kind of put my own spin on it and incorporate it into our projects. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I think it's helping the whole, at least for the guys who are on the Instagram and doing that kind of thing, it's helping the whole industry because we're all for the most part, everybody's friendly and cooperating, but at the same time, there's this like, there's this little competitiveness behind everybody. I think that they see something yeah. cool on Instagram and they, and they see the reaction it gets. And then they go away and be like, how can I, how can I one up that? How can I make that just a little bit cooler? Yeah. How can I post something that gets, you know, all this feedback <laughs> and praise and everything else. And so everybody feeds off a little bit and then they try to be, you know, it just, it spurs this creative, um, process for a lot of people to try to better yeah. themselves as well. And so I think that like the benefactor of that is the customers who are getting cooler backyards nowadays. Uh, you've been, yeah. your company's been around for four years and that's probably like, that's probably around when this Instagram, like obviously Instagram's been around longer, but as far as this little deck community, it's probably kind of around where it started. Um, are there certain guys out there or girls out there, companies out there that you followed Instagram on Instagram before like I would say that you've definitely put yourself in a position of being one of these kind of influencer accounts now, but who are you following before you kind of worked your way up there? Who are your major kind of, uh, um, I would say, you know, the obvious one is Dr. Dex. I, I probably was following him really early on and, um, I didn't start for, I didn't realize that this community was out there for a long time until I was mostly using it to, you know, uh, market locally. And then probably, you know, some of the other ones that, that I found early was Mark from Infinite Decks, which I know you've had on, and, um, you know, even Bobby Parks on on, uh, on Instagram and stuff. And really uh, just a ton of guys, and not even just in the decking industry. There's a lot of hardscape guys and, and just a lot of people that are doing, you know, building custom homes or, or whatever, you know, just networking with them and picking up business tips or, you know, just being inspired by something that they're doing. It, it's been, it's been awesome. So really, really a ton of guys, but probably Dr. Dex is like, that's the obvious one. Yeah. The, I think he makes everybody's list. I think for the most part, he was kind yeah. of, he was kind of the guy that maybe was pretty early on the scene as far as posting the cool stuff he's doing on top of the fact that he was doing very, yep. very cool things. Um, so, and, yep. and still is right. Like he's still, still doing amazing projects you know, his Instagram following is, he's definitely an influencer to anybody. So, um, one thing I want to swing back on, we talked about deck brands and that's where my head's at all the time, as far as composite versus PC, yep. PVC and all that stuff. What about your pavers? Are you like, are you kind of tied to one, um, paver company or hardscape product company that you use more than another, or do you kind of mix and match that as well? Um, I pretty much exclusively use Teco block and I've tried a couple other things, but really the thing, I mean, it's a really high quality product. And as far as quality that there's, there's a lot of companies that put out, you know, good quality stuff, but the design end, uh, and the product options from Teco block are so far ahead of every other brand. Uh, they really just, you know, you can do so much with it. They have so many different products and that's really the one that, that we kind of stick with is Teco block because, they're constantly coming out with new products and, and just kind of pushing the bar as far as what you can do with, with the designs, um, with all their different products. You mentioned that you've kind of achieved a sweet spot as far as a number of projects you're doing a year and things are kind of going well and you feel organized and whatnot. Um, 
what's left for 2019? What are your goals for this year? If not to get bigger, what keeps you going? Um, really just, just building cool stuff. Um, I want to become a better designer and, uh, and that's kind of how I look at myself from the get go is, um, not as really a contractor, but as a designer and I want to get better at designing stuff and, and just make every project cooler than the one before. That's really kind of the goal. And that's what gets me excited about it and makes work fun. And, and now that we're videotaping everything, you know, it kind of puts more pressure to raise the bar with each project and at least have one really cool detail that we can kind of showcase on each project. So that's kind of the goal. Just, just keep improving and um, kind of just get a little bit better each day. Louisville is the site of Deck Expo this year. Are you planning to attend? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's uh, Hardscape North America is also in Louisville, the same location like three weeks prior. So I think I might be out in Louisville twice uh, in the same month uh, later this year. So we'll see. You should just take the whole month off and just stay down there. I don't know what there is to do in Louisville. I was, never that's been. what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that would be cool. I don't know what kind of... Uh, Light thing there is around Louisville that I could do for three weeks, but um, try to come up with something. You could start a travel vlog. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that sounds better. Actually, I might start doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, working in people's backyards is cool, but there's like it's not exactly traveling the world. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think you're onto something. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I might try that. Where can people find you, Sean? We mentioned you on Instagram. Let's hear what your handles are on all your accounts. How can they find the vlog? How can they find you? So on Instagram, uh, it's Premier Outdoor. On Facebook, it's Premier Outdoor LLC. You can add me on Facebook, Sean Collins Crew. And uh, the thing that I'm really pushing the most is this vlog on YouTube. And that's at Premier Outdoor Living LLC on YouTube. We probably do like three to four videos a week. And... Um, we're just having a lot of fun with it. And I think that comes through in the videos. You, you can tell that we're, we're enjoying making them and just kind of joking around and, and all that stuff. So that's, that's what I would love people to check out is the, is the vlog. How many subscribers do you have on YouTube at this point? We only have about 2,200 right now, but, uh, but that's up about 1200 from a couple months ago. So going in the right direction, but, uh, still, still a long road ahead of us. So being on this podcast, I'm guessing you're going to see a big boost up to about 2,204. Oh, yeah. I think probably breaking through 100,000 pretty soon after <laughs> yeah, the air. That's right. There's your retirement plan. Start making money on the, on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, it's been a pleasure. I don't know if there's anything else you have to add or you want to tell to the community out there at all. I think that's it. I'm just honored to be on the uh, Ultimate Deck Show podcast. Um, uh yeah, huge fan of the podcast. I'm I'm just honored. So can't wait to can't wait to hear it. Good man, you've we've had your name on our whiteboard for a while, and like I said, we just we really we we had bigger things, and we were like we need to save Sean from when we have the proper equipment in place. So oh yeah, I'm yep. glad we this were able. Will, to... This will be this will be the perfect debut episode. It's gonna it's gonna really be great. 
That's right. I've got bad news though. I mentioned, uh, I mentioned to you before we got going that I had the camera running. I was going to post that. And then I had problems with the camera yep. focusing and we stopped and we restarted and then my battery died about 10 minutes in. So you're not, you're not, you're not going to see this episode on YouTube. We're going to have to save the YouTube for your vlog. If people want to go to YouTube and check out stuff with regards to you. That's all right. I've been filming the whole thing. So it's going to be on my vlog. Actually it's not, but um, that would have been good. I should have done a vlog also but we both next time we'll do another one maybe at the deck expo we can do it in person 100 percent. let's make that happen thanks much sean uh everybody go give sean a follow on your on his social accounts he's a great follower he's doing some great work uh he's a big one right now so uh take note and please if you have any ideas for the show uh get a hold of us at the ultimate deck shop on instagram is the best avenue for that until next week folks thanks for tuning in